Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Our goal from the beginning would be that, that God would get all the glory and that the Lord would give us opportunities to attempt something so, so that people would know that this is something we could not do on our own. And it's been a, a, a great ride to see God do miracle after miracle after miracle in people's lives and in the life of the church. Uh, welcome everybody this morning. We're glad as we celebrate this our last week. We took four weeks to kind of talk about what God has done in the life of the church. I'm going to have Brian and Steve come up here in a little bit. They've been with me 19 and 20 years, and we're going to interview them and talk about how they've seen God do great and awesome things and uh, get to hear a little bit of their stories. Uh, we're going to launch into Leviticus today. Are you excited? Yeah, pull it out, Leviticus 1. That's where Brian had us in Leviticus 1. And each week we are preaching on the readings from that week. Now, last week, I have to admit, I was so excited because last week's reading fell right on the celebrated feast and festivals, and so I got to preach this rousing sermon on on God and these amazing feasts and festivals, and this week, like the whole week falls on the sacrifices and all the, the tithes, the offerings, all the things they do for cleansing, and so I was like, Lord... Whew, where do I start on this one? And then Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, is where we'll launch out of. Here's what it says. It says, The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the meeting tent, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. Tell them, When any of you bring a gift in worship to the Lord, bring your gift of animals from the herd or the flock. If his gift is a burnt gift from the cattle, he should bring a male that is perfect. He should give it at the door of the meeting so he will be pleasing to the Lord. He will lay his hand on the head of the burnt gift and it will be received to take away his sins. The first thing I have there on the listening guide, if you have that, pull that out, is we can be worshiping God with our tithes and our offerings. Now, for the people of that day, I mean, they had to, like, bring the cattle with them. Can you imagine coming to church every Sunday and people pull, pulling up in their pickup trucks and, and pulling a heifer out of there and, and carrying that thing up here and going and, and bringing them to me, going, okay, pastor, take care of him. I'm just telling you, I, I'm not real good with blood. I don't think I could have been a priest at that time. I mean, slitting all the throat. Then you got to take the blood, and you got to put it on the earlobe. You got to put it on the big top. I was like, Lord, this stuff, I am so glad that Jesus Christ came. He is the sacrifice once and for all. The atonement's been paid. Praise God that we live under the new covenant. Amen? Amen. I am so grateful. If there's anything this passage in Leviticus showed me, it is I am grateful that I live under the new covenant and not the old covenant. And then keeping up with all this stuff. I mean, Leviticus 1 there, one thing that's obvious is it must be a male that is perfect. Uh, Leviticus 1.10 says the same thing. 
says, if this gift is a burnt gift from the sheep or the goat to the flock, he should be a male that is perfect. Leviticus 2.1 uh, says the same thing, that it must be perfect. That's why Jesus had to be sinless. That's why the testimony of his perfect life is so important because it had to be a, a perfect offering and Jesus Christ is the perfect offering. He lived a life that is sinless and he took the sins of the world upon himself. That is the gift that we have. That is the freedom that we have received thankfully because of this new covenant that we have today. Well, in Leviticus 5, 7, says, but if he does not have enough money for a lamb, he should bring to the Lord his, for, as his guilt gift for his sin two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be a sin gift and the other a burnt gift. And then uh, verse 11 in Leviticus 5, but if he does not have enough for two turtle doves, so that would be like the poorest of the poor he's addressing here, or two young pigeons, he should bring one-tenth of a basket of fine flour for a sin gift. He should not put oil or special perfume on it, for it is a sin gift. So this idea of these gifts, they were to be the sacrifice that they're showing for their sin. Make sense? Okay. We don't have to do any of that anymore. Christ has paid the price. He is our sin offering. When he went to the cross, he took the sins of the world upon himself, and that is like a, a moment to shout and sing and celebrate, all right? And because of that, we don't have to deal with any of these offerings ever again. But we do get to give our tithes and our offerings as a gift unto the Lord, just a gift of worship. Now, let me start by saying that we're, we're gonna show you some statistics later uh, that's been taken through the census and some surveys done throughout Putnam County. And in our county right now, the number two reason people don't go to church is because the church is always talking about money. Now, if you come here very long, you'll definitely know that's not true. But today, I am talking about money for just a little bit. So let me just say to you, if you're new today, please don't give any money. Okay, I don't want you to think that's what we're about because it's not what we're about. It's only a part of who we are, and that is when we come before the Lord, he tells us to come and bring our tithes and offerings for the work of the Lord. He does tell us to do that, but it's not to get the money from people that are not in the flock. We are the family of God, therefore we're called to be on mission with God. So if you're a guest here today, please see yourself as a guest and, and please realize that. We don't want that to be a, an impediment. But here's what it says in Leviticus 27. Verse 30, the tenth part of all the land, of the seed of the land, or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wants to buy any of the tenth parts that belongs to the Lord, he will add one-fifth part of its price. So in other words, if they're bringing in their crops, and you said, man, I really need all the crops this year because I need to feed my family with that crops, but I have gold, you could take that gold or silver, or whatever they was their form of finances at the time, and you could take whatever that 10% would be and give that as a gift plus 20% more. Kind of interesting. So uh, there's 32. And every 10th animal of the cattle or flock, whatever passes under the shepherd's stick, the 10th one will be holy to the Lord. So there was this 10% thing that, that ran all the way through the readings we had last week, just 10%, 10%. Why 10%? Because God said so. 
That's really all. He never says why it's not 9% or 20% or 7%. I think, you know, he knows us. And uh, it's real easy. If you make $100, you move the decimal place one point, it's 10 bucks, right? I think easy peasy may have something to do with it. I think 10% is a sacrifice on everybody, whether you're making a million bucks or 10 bucks. It's a sacrifice because it's 10%. And so whether you're rich or poor, you're still doing your part of your giving because you're honoring God with your percentage. And it's not like everybody coming in has to feel like they have to put a $20 in or a $100 or a $5. We're all giving the same, no matter what we make. And we all bring it not to be seen of men, but to honor God. I don't know what anybody in this church gives, and that's intentional. I don't know who gives a lot, don't know who gives little, don't know who gives, doesn't give at all. Unless you're going to go into biblical leadership, a deacon or a pastor, or a staff member, that kind of thing, I, uh, we don't put requirements. Uh, we, we challenge people, but I don't want to know what people give. But here's what I know. God calls us to be givers. He calls us to be generous. And in the New Testament, Matthew, I have some folks who say that, the, that Jesus doesn't reemphasize the tithe. Well, I, I take him to Matthew 23, 23. The only thing that he ever like commended the religious leaders for what they did do is in Matthew 23, 23. He says to the to the religious leaders, it says, it's bad for you teachers of the law and proud religious law keepers. You who pretend to be someone, you're not. You give one-tenth part of your spices and have not done the most important things of the law, such as thinking about what is right and wrong and having pity and faith. These you should have done and still have done the other things as well. So what he's saying is you guys, you are counting, I mean, they're spices. You know how small salt is, Right? Can you imagine putting your salt on the table and going through and cutting out 10% of your salt and saying, I'm giving this to the work of the Lord? That's how diligent they were to make sure they were giving 10% on everything. But he said, you're doing that, and then you're being a bunch of jerks, and you're, you're being rude. You're throwing people out on the streets. He goes on, you're not seeking justice for the poor. You're not serving, you're not in love, your outside looks really good, your inside looks really corrupted. And so I'll just tell you that, you know, if you think just by dropping money in the plate and showing up on Sunday, that's what God wants, you're missing it. He wants your heart. He wants all of you. He wants you to be in love with him. Because there's two ways you can give a gift, right? You can give a gift grudgingly or you can give a gift joyfully. You ever get those, uh, those invitations? And, and I, I was thinking, I was talking to a, uh, a college student, I mean, a college professor. And, you, you know, with college professors, they got all these students coming through, right? Could you imagine if every student in the class of a college professor sent them a wedding invitation or a graduation invitation? Like, you're graduating 150 students every semester. Could you imagine if every student gave them a graduation invitation? How would they even pay their bills, Right. How, how could you happily say, you know what, I'm going to send 50 bucks to every graduating student? You go broke. So I'm pretty sure that would be a difficulty to find joy in sending 150 college graduation moments and, and presents. But if there's that one special student that really just shined, it'd be like, oh, man, I am so grateful that he invited me. 
We became friends. I poured into him. I got to be his mentor. I want to buy him something that's really going to help him as he moves forward as an engineer, as a businessman. I want to give him something, a a book, a, a teaching, or something that really helped me in my profession. You see the contrast? We can do the same thing with God. All right, God, the basket's going to come around today, or the I've got to walk by those gray boxes, or the pastor's going to say something about money, probably. I better drop a 20 in, and we give out of guilt. Or we can give out of joy, thanking God that we live in the richest country in the world, and that he has blessed us over and above what we deserve ever, and that he provides for our family so that we always have food on the table and a roof over our heads. And we can give joyfully knowing that we're gonna give to the work of the Lord to change the world for the good news of Christ. Those are the two options. And I wanna challenge you that we give out of joy. Uh, We had our daddy-daughter date night this last weekend and they do that downtown, a really neat neat opportunity. If you don't know about it, dads, I I just wanna encourage you, make it happen. So the way me and my daughters do it, we have kind of like a deal. So. I go and, and I do the, the hop step and the two to the left and two to the right. And I do go with those dances with my daughters where they tell you how many steps to take. It's when they just start dancing and they're supposed to know it. I'm just like, you know, I, just, I got nothing. And so, but after the dance, our tradition is we take pictures and, and then we go to the house and we watch a John Wayne movie. So my daughters may have seen more John Wayne movies than my sons. I don't know. But uh, so last night was Angel and the Bad Man. If you hadn't seen that, it's a great, uh, it's actually a great movie that I can recommend because in it, they have this family that's a Christian family from the Quaker tradition and they're walking out their values and John Wayne, the bad guy, is seeing the way they're doing it and he's really, his life begins to be changed. And there's a line where they're getting ready to go to meeting and, and uh, she starts harnessing the horse and she says, hey, can you, can you feed the horse or whatever? And he, he kind of picks at her and says, oh, I thought your laws and rules told you you couldn't work on the Sabbath day. And she goes, you don't understand. We're free to do anything. We want to choose to honor God by not doing everything. It's a great line. If you go back and watch that movie, it, I'm sure I butchered it just a little bit. But that's the gist of what she said. And I was like, listen, guys, you're free to come here every Sunday, every, every Sunday, all the rest of your life. Nobody's ever going to call you and say, hey, how come you're not giving or are you tithing? That's not who we are. That's not how we roll. But you're also free in Christ to give joyfully to the work of God so that you can be a part of seeing and what God is up to and changing lives in this in this county and around the world as we get to give joyfully. And just so you know, I, I don't, didn't look at the percentage before I did the message, but it, somewhere over 16% of what comes in, we just give out. Serving our community, missions around the world, and a large part of that's just because of your generosity. At this point, I get to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity because we, we're ahead of budget this year. Thank you for your generosity because last year we finished ahead of budget. Thank you for your generosity because you give so joyfully and generously. We get to give away our whole Christmas offering and our whole Easter offering every year to our community and to missions. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. 
And because of your generosity, I get to feed my children. It's a blessing. They're happier that way. <laughs> because as we see here in 1 Corinthians 9, part of what we give to is the work of the Lord. It says this in 1 Corinthians 9. It says, you must know that those who work in the house of the Lord get their food there. Those who work at the altar in the house of God get a part of the food that is given there. The Lord has said also that those who preach the good news should get their living from those who hear it. And so I, I'm grateful for you guys' generosity that we can provide for our staff to minister and train and equip others to take the good news around the world. So thank you. Second thing is, we worship God in all areas of our lives. We worship God in all areas. In Leviticus 28, is a very unique teaching. Leviticus 20, excuse me, Leviticus 25, verse 8. He starts on this idea. It's called the Jubilee. So basically, it was supposed to be every 50th year, they got the whole year vacation. And everything that they did, their, their works that they did in the fields, they weren't supposed to harvest. They were just supposed to eat whatever grew up naturally. And everything went back to the original owner. So here in America, we buy a house, and you buy it from somebody. Maybe you're buying it from them because they're moving, or maybe you're buying it from them because they went bankrupt and they had to sell it. And in that culture, they didn't have bankruptcy per se. What they would do is, if Steve Taboo, let's say I had a, a bad harvest year, five years in a row, I couldn't pay my debts, I would go to somebody else, let's say Alexander, and I go to Alexander and say, Alexander, I owe all this money, $10,000. I can't pay it. Can I work for you and sell myself to you to pay that debt? And it, so it's like an indentured servant. But here's the thing with Jubilee. You would only sell yourself for the amount of money you should get until the year of Jubilee. And then at the year of Jubilee, everybody was free. All debt was free. You got your house back, your farm back. Everything came back. It was the year of Jubilee. Pretty good, pretty good system, huh? Here's what it says in Leviticus 25. It says, you are to number seven years of rest for yourself. Seven times seven years. The time of the seven years of rest will be 49 years. Then let the horn be heard on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the day to be made free from sin, you will let a horn be heard all throughout the land. And you will honor the 50th year as holy. And let it be in all the land that all who are living there are free. It will be a happy time for you. Each of you will return to what is his. Each will return to his family. That 50th year will be a happy time for you. You will not plant seeds in the field or gather food that grows of itself or gather fruit from the vines that are not cared for. This is a happy time. It will be holy to you. You'll eat from what the field gives. This is the Jubilee. Now, this 20th year for us, we decided we would celebrate. In May, we're going to do an outdoor service at Dogwood Park and have one service with all three services together to celebrate what God has done. But we just want to keep bragging on him for all the miracles he's done in people's lives. So uh, I've asked Brian and Steve to come out. They're going to... Brian's been with me nine, uh, 20 years. Steve's been here 19 years. And, and 
they've been such a huge part of who we are and what God's done. I thought on this day, we should have them come out and uh, we're going to interview them and hear from them. So they're bringing out the uh, stools and Brian is bringing out a great example of God's provision that he's letting me sit in. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> so this, if you don't know, when we started the church, we, we were praying for God's miracles in every area. And one of the things we needed was 200 plus chairs. And I got a call from Ed Malone at Christ Community. He said, hey, brother, uh, I heard you guys need some chairs. I've got 220 chairs I want to give you for free. Now, I'll just tell you, free 99 is my favorite price. Okay, and I was like, free? He said, free. I said, we want them. He said, well, before you say yes, let me tell you. He said, they are ugly. <laughs> he wasn't lying. But let me tell you, we used these yeah, lovely, what's that? We used them. <laughs> we used them for seven years, and uh, we were so grateful for this miracle that I'm sitting in. So Brian and Steve so wonderfully thought I should get the privilege of sitting on this throne today. So, uh, uh, guys, I, I want to thank you for, I want to thank you for 20 years. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Is yeah. Crazy. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I go to so many of these conferences and stuff, and I, I don't know if I met anybody that's doing ministry together with the same people they started with like this. And so, uh, now, Brian came first. We were praying for a worship pastor, and one day I get this phone call out of the blue, and it's Brian, and uh, he says, hey, I heard you're playing the church. Tell me about it, and I told him all about it. He said, well, what are your needs? And I said, man, my biggest need is, is a worship pastor. I said, I cannot carry a tune in a bucket, and I said, I need somebody that can lead us in worship. I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a worship pastor. <laughs> And literally, my next words were, you're hired. <laughs> and he's like, he starts backtracking. Then he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so he agreed to meet me halfway because he was in Ohio and cast vision. And uh, I made him this, this big offer he couldn't refuse. He and his wife were both full-time doing ministry and nursing. And I said, look, if you'll move here and start this church with us, I'll offer you $750 plus health insurance to come. And the reason I could offer that was that's how much I was getting paid. So I figured if we went belly up, at least I could give him what I was getting, right? So Brian, tell us that story and, and how in your mind, what, what God was doing in your life, because I think that's the cool part, what God was doing that he brought you here. Yeah, so um, I had graduated from tech and Meredith had actually grown up in this area. And uh, as we had moved off and, and started uh, just seeing church, a few churches doing things a little differently. Uh, I really kind of had this dream of coming back to Cookville and starting something that um, wasn't so traditional, wasn't so focused inwardly, so that anyone, uh, especially folks far from God, would be able to come in and feel welcomed and, and, and not feel like perhaps they were stepping back into this world that they had never known. And uh, it's funny, I would, uh, uh, I would, each week when I would cut my grass, that was like my dreaming time. And, and uh, as I was doing that, I was like, man, it could look like this and we could meet like this. And, and one day I was, I was talking to a friend of mine that uh, still lived in the area. And 
was just telling him about that, kind of saying, this is what I've thought about and where we can meet. And, and, and he, he said, I think there's somebody doing that. And uh, through a couple of other people, we got connected. And that's when, uh, when I called you. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never will forget. I was sitting in my office at, ch- at the church that we were serving at. And, uh, and we were talking and, uh, for about an hour. And he's like, well, are you ready to come? <laughs> I was like, whoa, might ought to pray about it. No, no, maybe uh, should probably talk to my wife uh, before we uh, before we say anything. And I remember going home and thinking she'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's awesome," and she was like, "Are you crazy?" <laughs> but as we as we prayed, to, which yeah, often happens. Hey, what do you think about? Are you crazy? Um, after we prayed, we really felt like that's what what the Lord was doing. And, uh, you know, it was, what was really interesting though, is the church that, that we were a part of, we had, uh, done the hard work of, of transitioning from being very traditional, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, they were a dime a dozen. Um, but we, we had transitioned from being very traditional and really turned our focus out instead of so much in. And, uh, so we had done the hard work things were going great. And then you Call, well, I called you, but yeah, you called me first. Then I got tabooed, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, what about you? Uh, I mean, we were, those may not know, we were planting at the same time. Steve was a year and a half ahead of me and had planted a church called Lifeline. And so we were prayer partners and getting together and praying. And, and about eight months in, the Lord had blessed tremendously. And we had so many more kids than we ever expected. And my wife was pregnant and going to give birth uh, later on, I'm sure. So, uh, so you know, we're like, okay, we need somebody full-time <laughs> to dedicate themselves to this work. And uh, Steve and I were prayer partners, and one day I, something just happened. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally lost my train of thought. Um, so, <laughs> you were stuck yeah. on the, yeah. Right, yeah. The, the, so, yeah. and you know, we talked about this, and this is what I think has been so, so neat, was that here are three three different guys separated doing different things and yet God was beginning to do something in Cookville I think we were, we were all in um, had been in traditional settings but I think realized that the church needs to begin to shift culture sh- is shifting and and we need to be willing to do that and a lot of times the quickest way to do that is to start something new and uh, so so God had moved me in that direction, and uh, we had started a church, had planted a church here in Cookville, and uh, I remember going up to Knoxville to a church planner's workshop, where they basically train church planners, and I should have done this beforehand, which is what most of them do, but, uh, but he was like, no, no, you should come anyway, and so I went, I remember doing all the sessions, these guys, most of them were younger than me, and these, the leaders would be like, now, fellows, listen, when you get out there and start your church, don't do this, and pretty much 95% of the time, I was like, yeah, I already did that. Uh, that's, <laughs> you should listen to him. That, that doesn't work. Um, but I remember at the end of that four days, I remember calling my wife, and we like, you know, at some point she was like, well, how's it going? And I was like, it's really good. This stuff is really good. I said, I guess one of my biggest takeaways, though, is I really believe I'm not a church planner. And, you know, she, of course, she's like, well, what does that mean? I was like, I don't know. I may have to fire myself because I don't think I'm <laughs> going to be able to take us any further. But uh, through that process, you know, yeah, God just really began showing me more of my I guess my passion and my, and my gifting and just really thinking about kids and youth and family ministry and just people were beginning to rethink that in the church. And it, it intrigued me and it fascinated me and it just felt like that's right. And, um, but just finding a place to pursue that. 
And, uh, you know, because nobody was looking for that position. And a friend of mine said, well, why don't you write down what your dream job would look like? So I wrote a job description. And I took you to that prayer group you were talking about. And, and afterwards, I just asked you guys to pray for me. And I remember afterwards you said, hey, I'd like to see that. So I showed you that job description. I remember you said, uh, you know, we don't have any money and I can't afford to hire you. But if I could hire somebody, that would be the next position I'd like to hire. And, of course, long story short, the Lord eventually uh, made that happen a few months later. And we just, we all kind of took that step of faith. And yeah. 20 years later, here we are. Yeah. And uh, again, I made them the big offer for $750 a month plus health insurance. I not resist that. I'm sure right? Lori was excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Chance to move green chairs every yeah. Sunday. Yeah. So. And both of these guys and their families raised the rest of that money in support. And so some of you guys may have been part of the team that sponsored them and supported them. We're grateful. And God did miracle after miracle, providing a free place to for you and your family to live for a while and providing side jobs, providing strong supporters that came alongside. And, and, and we just got so many great testimonies that God is faithful. That he is the one that can provide whether you got nothing or you got a, a lot to work with. We got to lean on him. And, and, and Brian, talk about changed lives. Talk about changed lives now and, and what that looks like over the last 20 years. Yeah, I think when I, when I think back and, and look at the last 20 years, I really think about you know, the lives that were changed, uh, that have been changed and are continuing to, to be changed. Uh, I was, as we were thinking about the last couple of weeks, uh, Looking back, uh, I thought of uh, Stacy Bishop and Mitch Copeland, mm-hmm. and they were part of the gathering, which is our college young adults uh, ministry, right back in the beginning when we started it, like 18 years ago, I think. And uh, and now they're married uh, to each other, and they have kids. And now I'm seeing their oldest son is a part of the youth group down there. You know, that's cool. I think of the the Corrells and just the what God did in their lives, and seeing their kids follow Jesus and um, that's just what I, I think of is this, this godly legacy and, and seeing, uh, seeing God really change, change generations. And that's what I think is kind of exciting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Steve, having poured into families and, uh, so many different arenas here at the river. How about yourself? Yeah. You look back over, we talked about, you know, what stands out over the last 20 years about changed lives and I think what stands out to me is how much the two of you have changed how much you've aged I think that's yeah 20 years it's really yeah you got red hair it doesn't show the gray yeah you, <laughs> it's kind of unfair for the rest of oh, it's it up there. trust me look close yeah yeah whatever uh, no you go bald first <laughs> probably <laughs> no, actually yeah, you know, you talk about changed lives, and I think, I think again, getting back to just thinking of, we, we, the Lord put the DNA here of a place that was willing to try things, mm. and over the years, uh, you know, you, you can look, look out in this room and, and see a lot of some of the early adopters, people that have been here 15 plus years that came along early on mm-hmm. and were willing to try some crazy stuff with us. Um, and in, particularly in the area of children, youth, family ministry, of just trying some things that most churches weren't doing. And uh, one of the biggest things, I think, was just really pressing in the value of family, the importance of family and family serving together. We've always encouraged the sit one, serve one, uh, come to church, worship together, and then serve in a service. And, and people jumped on that early. 
and we started seeing, yeah. you know, at seventh grade, we, we didn't offer anything for, for students uh, other than our midweek Wednesday night gatherings, but on Sunday mornings. And so we encouraged them to serve with their, with their parents. And so many did that, and so many of you out here this morning did that. And you can go out in our children's hallway today, and you'll see that. You'll see moms and, and their teenage, preteen daughters serving together in nursery or in, the, or in the, the elementary area or in the middle school area serving together and, and that's so neat because that really became a disciple, a family discipleship tool of them serving together, preparing lessons together, thinking about that ministry together, having that common ministry. Uh, and then now, 20 years later, you're seeing those kids have grown up and yeah. they're beginning to have kids. And I think that seed that was planted and you're going to, you know, I will continue to see that. And so I think just seeing families catch that. And, 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 and you can talk to so many that tell you, like, man, that was really a big impact for us because it gave us something we did together. Um, and so that that's always stands out to me and just some of those families that, that took that, I think the impact it's made on in their families. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward, you know, because the Lord has blessed more than I think any of the three of us ever would have imagined. Mm-hmm. Uh, where what God's done, it's kind of mind blowing for us sometimes when we look back on, on the green chairs and the. Uh, I remember many times when the the trailer wouldn't even make it to the church because of snow, or because the the driver overslept and we had to go acapella or whatever, and and uh, so a lot of things. But looking forward, start with you, Steve. The next twenty years, next ten years, what are you hoping to see God do? The next 10, 20 years, yeah. Um, aside from that senior discount I'm looking forward to. Um, at, <laughs> you already uh, got it. I know you're already there. You're already enjoying <laughs> that, I know. Uh, now, I'm I not. think, <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> excuse me, I think, yeah, I think what we've seen over the past 20 years, realizing, uh, and Jimmy said this last service, uh, that, you know, we, we started here realizing probably what we've been doing is, is not going to get us where we need to go. And I think mm-hmm. as we celebrate 20 years and what God's done, I think we've got to keep in mind that what we did and have done well may not be what takes us to success in the next 10, 20 years. Because, you know, our world changes. We saw that just a couple of years ago with COVID and we had to adjust. Mm-hmm. And, and what's exciting is that we have a, a, a DNA here, uh, a community that is fluid. Mm-hmm. And we're able to make changes. We're able to make shifts. You know, we, we don't necessarily hold on to things too tightly, but we're like, man, let's just be open to what God's doing. Yeah. And if we need to rearrange, rethink, change things, we can. Because um, I think we'll have to. I think that'll be something we'll have to do. You know, I mean, we're, we're you know, 20 years later, and we've got to be willing to say, hey, there's a new generation that's got new ideas, maybe better ideas. And hopefully with our kids and that generation, you know, our ceiling that we're getting close to it's going to be their, their floor, and they're just going to continue to build off that with better ideas, greater ideas, but hopefully maintaining that passion of we want to reach people that are far from God, mm-hmm. and we want to see them grow into mature followers of Christ that are impacting the world. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Brian, what about you? Uh, you know, I look around this room, and I can see families where there's three generations worshiping together, mm-hmm. and... I think we might get to see four generations working together and worshiping together. And I think that's pretty cool. And as Steve mentioned, I'm just excited about seeing our kids, our grandkids step into uh, serving Jesus with all their hearts Mm -hmm. and, uh, and seeing them. I've often thought about this, man. I feel like my kids are going to do way more for the Lord than I ever thought about doing. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. So next, uh, 
last question is if you could say anything to everybody in the room today, because you can, just what would you say? What would you say to folks? Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think just, um, and, and I know you're going to bring us to this point in a few minutes, but I think, um, I think the greatest power God has given us is the power to choose. You know, you chose to, to come here this morning. Some, of you cho- some people chose not to. So it's, it's take that power that he has given you, the power to choose, and I would say to choose God's way. Um, it's not always the easiest. It's not always the quickest. It's not always the most popular. It's, but, and sometimes it's not, doesn't seem to make the most sense at the moment, yeah. but just choose God's way. Choose to follow him. Choose to, to grow in your faith, understand what it is to be in a relationship and be able to hear from God and then just do what he tells you to do. Trust him that he knows what he's doing. Um, we have failed so many times, but man, God, I, I promise you, God is faithful. God shows up. God can clean up your messes and mistakes. He's bigger than all that. But just choose to follow him. Choose to take those steps and be a part of what he's doing because you will not regret that. Mm-hmm. You will regret right. that I didn't, I didn't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would just say, man, take that power to choose and choose God's way. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the people around me would say I'm a broken record, but uh, the noisier our culture gets, the more uh, things are, are biting for our attention, the more intentional we have to be to be quiet before Jesus mm-hmm. and, and to just sit and uh, sit with him and open our, our hearts and our ears uh, to prayer and to ask him to, to speak into our hearts, to guide us through, through his word, through community, mm-hmm. uh, because I think it's harder than ever to really intentionally do that. You know, as you said, choose to choose to do that. Um, and if we want to see God to continue to move, we have to be on our knees. We have to be quiet before him. So, Good word, both of you. Uh, moving forward, uh, one of the things that we're looking at as a church is um, diversifying even more the speaking role here on Sunday mornings. Uh, both of these guys and other guys on our team have gifts of preaching and, and teaching and uh, we we know that as a church, we're better because we're together. And there's been many times that I had an idea and I was ready to run with it. And these guys were like, um, I don't know. That's a great idea. I don't, I won't say it's a bad idea. And as we flesh, I remember when we were talking about going to three services, we went to a retreat together, the three of us. And I was like, guys, We've got to go to three services. Let's do it in two weeks. And, and Steve, of course, who was in charge of all the volunteers at children's ministry, he's like, are you crazy? He's like, we can't just turn that in two weeks. He's like, our volunteers, we got. And uh, Brian, was, Brian was usually the one in the middle going, now, guys, there's, there's a place we can find this. Was, and uh, I don't remember if it was Brian or Steve had the great idea to call Jimmy Arms, who had done three services at Stephen Street. And uh, we called him, and he gave us great advice. And we didn't go to three services right away. We waited. Uh, which was the wise call. It was like, I wanted to do it like right before summer hit. And uh, it was like, no, let's wait till the fall. And we did, and it worked, went great. And uh, I'm just grateful for you guys. Can we give it up for these guys for their service? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Somebody call the nursery and tell them we're going to be 15 minutes late today. I'm not joking. Somebody. <laughs>
because I ain't done yet. <laughs> Got a couple more words. Um, we want to talk about where God's going to take us. It's been a fun journey for 20 years. There's been some highs and some lows. There have been some moments where we're like, God, if you don't show up, we can't pay the bills tomorrow. And been some times that God just blessed us so much, we're like, what do we do with this now? Been some times that lives have been transformed and, and several people in this room are here because God has changed your life and your family and set your feet on solid ground. And there have been people that we saw their lives transformed and changed only to see them walk right back in the same mud and mire and sin that they were in before, breaking our hearts. And some of those have come back. It's fun to me to see, you know, five years, 10 years, somebody call me up and go, hey, just so you know, Steve, I know you know I left and you tried to call me, but I moved to Houston to get away from everybody and, and God finally humbled me and I'm walking with the Lord now and I'm doing this and that for God. God is the one that does the change. He's the one that changes our hearts and does things. But I, I want you to see what he's doing in our community. Uh, if you want to throw that slide up there. So in Putnam County, uh, we are growing like never before in the history of our county. This area right here uh, is the projected growth in the next five years between four and a half and seven and a half percent, 4.4 and 7.6 percent growth all around us. So you need to double that for, so on average, we're going to look at it between nine and 15 percent growth in the next 10 years. This is the census survey. So what does that mean? We got to get busy. God's bringing them people to us. We got to get busy. Look at the next one. This area is growing more than 7.6%. The all good area, the uh, going out towards Rickman, north of Cookville proper, building subdivisions out there like gangbusters. We've got to get busy. Show me the next one. This right here is that in these areas here, there's between 595 and 829 households that own their census. They checked unknown for religious affiliation, meaning they are not connected to any religious belief. Show the next one, please. The next one is between 829 and 1271. All around us, you see these, these areas where people are saying they have no faith in God. Next one. This is the area that more than 1271, and look at that, those are the large growth areas that we're seeing. Next. Look at the left. This is a survey that was taken not by us, but by independent uh, contractor. The question asked, I, I don't believe a God exists. The material universe is all there is. 66% of the people in 2017 disagreed with that statement. But look at 2021, just four years later, it dropped 9.7%. In four years, 10% more people said they didn't believe in God. That's a crazy shift. If that were to continue at that rate in six years, nobody in Cookville would believe in God. Not six, 24 years. On the left, I have a relationship with one living God. Go to the far right where it says agree. So... In 2017, 59.3% of the people said, I have a relationship with God. It's wonderful. But then look at 2021. It dropped 12.6% in four years. What is going on? 
what has happened in the last four years. The last one, I'm unsure, undecided about whether God exists. 64% were unsure in 2017, but 58% in 2021. What does this mean? Here's what this means. The Lord is answering our prayers. He is bringing people to Putnam County that are far from God and they're not afraid to tell you. When I knocked on doors when we started the church 20 years ago, out of a thousand plus doors we knocked on, only one person said they didn't believe in God. 99% said I believe in God. Today, you see the statistics. God is bringing people here, I believe, because there's a light here. And we are called to embrace them. And my challenge to us is how can we do a great job of loving people that are moving in with the love of Jesus? Some of you have moved here. I moved here from California. Some of you have moved here from California. Some from Illinois, from from Washington, some from Oregon. Welcome. We are glad you are here. We are a family of God that is not known by boundaries, borders, counties, or states. And we are glad God has brought you here. And we want to partner with you to help reach our whole county, our whole state, and our world to reach and love people with the love of Jesus Christ. So as a church, can you bring that county picture, the first one back up again? As an elder team, we, we have a vision that we believe God's put on our heart uh, to start four new works. You see 40 cuts through the middle and 111 through the middle, making like, like a cross. The far left side over there is Baxter, which is going to have explosive growth. And people said, haven't we already started a church? Yes. Crossroads is there doing great ministry. Rick and I are still great friends, but one church can't do it all. So we want to put a, camp, a, a new work there in Baxter. Okay, and then all good area is going to continue to grow there. North, east of town, we, we want to do a new work in the all good area. And then south of, one, uh, of 40 and 111, they are throwing up subdivisions like crazy in that area. And there's almost nothing in that corridor. Uh, and so we want to see God do something there. And then just north of where, where tech is, in the Jerry Whitson-ish community, they are continuing to build and there's a great need for a work there. So our challenge is for us to plant four new works in the next 10 years in our county, along with continuing to reach and plant churches outside of our county, in our state, in our nation, and in the world. Now, to do something this robust, it's going to take all of us being willing to do whatever God says do. For some, that means you may want to go and God says stay. For some, it may mean God wants you to go and you want to stay. My challenge to us today on our 20th anniversary is to be willing to go wherever God tells us to go, to do whatever God tells us to do, and to say yes to wherever God says yes to us. Will you accept that challenge? Are you ready? Well, at the, uh, the bottom of your listening guide there, there's a place, uh, the very last thing, what is your mission for Christ? Are you willing uh, 
If there's one thing that would hold you back, what would it be? Think about that for just a second. When I say, uh, what if God's calling you to go to East Africa? What's the one thing that would stand in your way to be on mission with Christ? Family? Affluence? Comfort? If I say, uh, let's go and, and start a new work in the 111 corridor, what's the one thing that you go, I, I couldn't do that because? I want you to write that on your listening guide. And the invitation today is to come and bring that before the Lord and give it up for God. To put that on your piece of paper and put it in there, whatever that one thing is. And if you're all in, if you're like, God, I'm on mission with you and I am all in wherever you lead me, then I want to challenge you to write all in on that. And to come up and, and put it in the basket. So literally, I want to invite everybody to come today for the invitation and put something in the basket. Now, the right side over here, if God is working on your life and you need to talk to somebody and pray with somebody, we'll have the, this section over here open like we always do for a pastor or deacon, someone to pray with you. The prayer room will still be open for someone to pray with you. I'll still be up front. But this side over here today... I just want to challenge you to come and put all in or whatever that one thing is that would keep you from being obedient to God. Maybe there's somebody here today that God's put a call on your life to be a, a pastor or a missionary, a church planner, uh, uh, whatever that looks like. Maybe God's put that on your heart and you've been running and you've been running hard. I want to challenge you to give that up to God today. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.